This week on the podcast that's been practicing social distancing since April 2019, we talk all things COVID-19. Just messing with ya. We've got no time for that because this week we're sitting down with Justin Williams to talk what's cool about riding bikes. Hello and welcome to another episode of Put Your Socks On. My name is Angus Morton and as always, I am joined by Bobby Julik. Mate, how are you doing? I'm hanging in there, Gus. Just trying to support the social distancing as much as possible. But man, when it's 80 degrees and beautiful sun, it's so hard to do just thinking about going out for a ride and whatnot, but I've uh, kept busy with some of our spring cleaning lists that I never normally get around to, but had no excuse not to do recently. So, yep, garage cleaned, driveway power washed, eight yards of mulch has been distributed evenly and perfectly throughout the beds. So, (laughs) uh, yeah, I've been busy. Mate, this week, speaking of like household tasks, this week a pipe burst under the floor in my bedroom and like it's just leaked through the whole entire floor and like rotted out all the carpet. (laughs) And so like, and then the guys came to fix it and they jackhammered the whole floor up and then realized they never needed to jackhammer the whole floor up. This is all amongst social distancing, mind you. So you're just like, nobody come to my house, but the floor's leaking. And then the bathtub leaked and all of the ceiling, all of the ceiling filled with water. So we've had a bit of a, it's been a bit of a shit show here, uh, actually, since we've been trying to practice social distancing. Every pipe in the house just decided that it's going to burst. But outside that, mate, to be honest, my life hasn't changed all that much because I, you know, typically, I mean, I work from home and I, you know, any sort of physical exercise that I do, I, I typically do in the woods right out the back of, uh, of my house by myself. So, you know, I've been... Uh, not too not too affected although you know i'm sure that that's going to change it's only been a week so as we hit this second week it's going to uh probably change a little bit but this week we have a different show um we wanted to get away from from all of the kind of negative press well not negative press but just kind of you know i guess repetitive and concerning and and sort of downing press with everything that's going on and and just kind of get back to the celebration of the bike and and why we love to bike ride and and talk to some people that we really love in this sport who are doing it who are doing it in a new way and doing it in an inspiring way and this week we have a really special guest justin williams but before we get to uh the main part of the show bobby let's hear from our sponsors roll massifs collection of eight road gravel and mountain bike sportives in colorado take riders on a journey through the most stunning landscapes in the u.s Each sportif offers a range of distances and challenges to suit all abilities. Iconic courses wind through the alpine terrain at the Copper Triangle Sportif and desert landscapes through the Colorado National Monument during the Tour of the Moon. Each event delivers an incredible day out on the bike with world-class support and a post-ride festival. And to help get kids out on their bikes, anyone under 18 rides for free at the road and gravel events. You can check them out at rollmassif.com. That is R-O-L-L-M-A-S-S-I-F 
fizzopodcast.com. And listeners of the Fizzo podcast get 15% off any sportive using the code FIZZO15. That's P-Y-S-O-15 at checkout, which expires May 1st. As we promised last week, we weren't going to, you know, talk too much about the woes of the world right now, which there are plenty, and we're going to try and focus on some positive cycling stories. And so we thought, well, you know, let's 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 uh, call up the number one positive vibe guy, Justin Williams, and get him on the show. 2019 USA Crit Champ, 2018 Crit and Elite Road Champ, uh, the owner and founder of Legion LA Racing Team, and a bit of a maverick amongst the cycling world. Justin, welcome to Put Your Socks On. How are you doing, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm super excited to talk to you guys, man. So, dude, I guess with everything going on in the world, we were thinking, how can we, I don't know, make a show that's... Uh, it's a little more fun and positive and you definitely sprung to mind. You and I have been teammates before. Um, we share a lot of the same sentiments about the sport of, of road cycling and, uh, and where we want to kind of see it going. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to be able to get on, you know, get on the show and, and talk to you. Give the, give the people what they want, man. So you guys have some history. So I want to hear it from the start, even before you met Gus. Justin. Give us that quick origin for those who don't know you. How did you get started in bicycle racing? Oh man, so I'll give you the short the short story. Um, basically, like my dad raced bikes. My my family's from Belize. Like my mom, my dad, all of my uncles. And in Belize, cycling is this massive sport. So my dad started riding, and he fell in love with this race called the the Holy Saturday uh, Cross Country Classic. And when I was younger, I didn't have a ton in common with my dad. And I had tried like working on cars with him. It didn't really work out. Um, I had tried to have conversations with him and that didn't really work out. And I don't know, we just weren't into the same thing. So I figured at one point, like I had always, always been interested in bikes just because it was always around me, but I never really looked at it as a sport for some reason. I thought it was like my dad's hobby. So I figured like, okay, like I like riding my bike around the yard. Maybe if I get into bike riding with my dad, still not thinking it's like a racing thing, right? If I get into bike riding with my dad, maybe we'd have something in common. Uh, and and that's how I started, man. Like he he wouldn't get me a bike. He said I was too soft for cycling. He's like, no, man, this is not this is not for you. Mind you, I played like football and basketball. And he's like, no, this is not for you, man. Like, you know, continue to do what you're doing. Uh, and then after begging a little bit, uh, he left his trainer on the, on the, he left his bike on the trainer one California winter when it rained for like a day. <laughs> and, uh, and I jumped on and started riding from there. And I, and he would, he like, in my family was known not to touch my dad's stuff. Uh, and I jumped on, he kind of looked at me funny. Uh, he let it happen. Uh, and then like day after day, like he would add something or change something about the bike for it to fit me. Eventually I got shoes, I got bibs, I got all this stuff. Uh, and I was doing like, you know, and 45 minutes to an hour on the trainer every day for like two months before he took me outside. And then I got to go outside and ride. So like it, it really sparked up this really cool connection with my dad. And how old were you at that time? I was 13. 13. I had like, yeah, I was, yeah, I was mid 13. Yeah. And then how did you like, once you got out on the road, when did you start racing? And I guess when did you sort of decide like, or when did you realize like, man, I'm pretty good at this and, and there's potentially a way to make a living off of this? 
Dude, there was this kid, Alex Garcia. He was like state and national champion. He was like just swagged out, man. He had like the Oakleys that sit over your head, like the little like circle ones. You remember <laughs> Hell those? Hell yeah. Now we're talking. Yeah, yeah he had exactly dude, he had some of those. He had like the Rudy Project <laughs> national champion helmet. And I was like, like, damn, dude, like this dude cares. Like he cares. Like everything about him, like his kit, his bike, his bars were slammed, like everything was right. <laughs> but he was he was really small so like me coming from football i'm like okay like this like who does this guy think he is and he just like busts my ass for like dude for like a year and a half and then i finally beat him and then when i beat him i was like okay i think that this is something i can do we became teammates the next season after that um and we just spent like summers together watching like tours like dude this dude had like a collection of like the Giro the tour, the Vuelta, like everything, just videos on videos on videos. And we would, I would stay at his house in the summer and uh, we'd, we'd watch races and play MotoGP. <laughs> and like, that's when I was like, I want to do this. Like, this is so, he made it really cool for me. Uh, and, and and that's where, that's where my real like love for from it came. And like, I never really thought about making a living, you know, yeah. like making money. I was a kid. I just like, it was something that I really loved doing. And I wanted, I didn't care what it took. I just wanted to do it. Who was um, watching those like old Giros and old tours and that? Who were like, who were the riders? Who were your favorite dudes? Dude. Yeah. Dude, Pataki. Oh, dude, I still have Pataki. Basketball days. Yeah, Fastable Toller Days, yeah. exactly. I like started, it's funny, I started designing kits when I was a kid. I would yeah. just draw them, right? Yeah. And I drew like, our team was, our junior team was major motion cycling team. Yeah. And I drew a Fastable Bortolo, basically like major motion replica kit, dude. It was it was so sick, but it was like him. It was like Valverde, who's been around forever. Yeah, Valverde. <laughs> I was so pumped to see him win like world championship. Like, yeah, it was, it was like, Hink like George, like watching George, watching Tony Cruz, and being like, "They're gonna do it this year," <laughs> and like, and like Roubaix, yeah, or the, the exactly. Spring Classics. Yeah, it was all that, man. It was I don't know. It was like watching U.S. Postal for me. It was like everything. And Tony Cruz actually gave me um, one of his uh, his U.S. Postal skin suits. So we used to do this training ride every Thursday. And me, Alex, and this other kid, Nico, would show up in our U.S. Postal skin suits and just, like, try to demolish the group, dude. <laughs> oh, dude, that's sick. I used, to have, sick. I used to have all the um, – I remember I, like, saved up. I, I was working at a bike shop, and I saved up and bought the Team Telecom Pinarello prints. Oh, and I got dude. the full kit, dude. I had, like, the, the, the Lima, like, <laughs> Team Telecom – Dude, Bobby, this was—I think that was your era when you were at at, at Telecom, I reckon, dude. And I had the, I had, yeah, I was like ripping around on the aluminium prints. It was sick. Oh man, I'm so glad I didn't jump in there and say <laughs> say somebody else's name because, like Pataki, I was thinking more. You know, when I started, it was Alexi Graywall, Greg Lamont, Bernard Hino. Yeah. So I I almost stepped on my own toes there because yeah, Pat- <laughs> Pataki's a, about ten or fifteen years after that. But I mean, that's that's the thing, right? Like. 13 is that perfect period, you know, to start. And then if you're influenced by someone like, like Tony Cruz, who is an, an awesome guy, I, George and I grew up racing mm. with him. That just goes to show you like just a little skin suit or a pair of gloves or a hat, that person, that 13 year old kid will cherish that forever. And like, look what you are now. Dude. Well, look where you are now because Dude, of that. You're exactly right, yeah, Bobby. It, it changed my life forever, man. So there's something else that, like, like, that you just sort of mentioned then, which I think is really interesting and kind of a funny thing that's, that's 
it really only translates to people who ride bikes and it's it's hard for uh, because we're all you know we all race bikes it's hard for us to kind of be objective about this but like there is a style to cycling like that that is like it doesn't fit like it doesn't fit if you just got like the average person off the street and you're like check out this this guy in lycra (laughs) like look at his sock height look at his crispy white shoes like damn that bar like those bars are slammed it's also silly but like there is like a really strong aesthetic um or 100 there's a culture to it mm. man there's a culture to it and like we we're the ones like we try to control that right like now with, with the legion we're like trying to go like let us show you what's cool about about cycling what's cool about when when i walk in or when i leave my house doesn't matter what i'm wearing i want i want people that when i walk into a coffee shop to go like oh like what is this guy a pro or something like i want them to question what's happening because yeah. like the way i look is it makes sense right like my my headphones match my shirt Dude, i saw that before like, and i was like should i say real. something <laughs> <laughs> so just for the like, listeners just for the listeners right now uh justin is wearing a a purple? What do you Yeah, call it's it? a purple, uh, like purple <laughs> like Nike, 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 yeah. Nike swoosh shirt with the uh, with the Beats matching beats me, matching Pantone, Pantone <laughs> matched. He made sure specific order. Yeah. Call, called up Beats and he's like, "Yo, I need Pantone three eight four five to match my these shirt." These are actually the <laughs> these are the Laker ones, man. Dude. Like, so everything I have on is like based on like Laker Nation. Yeah, so nice. I have there's the the purple and gold, and it has like these like <laughs> half tone Laker uh, print on it. It's I like I love this stuff, man. Like it's it should make sense, you know. Everything we do from like the stickers we put on our bike to sticker kit, we run like different models, and I'll like show it to my brothers, and they'll be like, "No." No, no, until I get it right. And then we move forward with stuff. So like, you know, it's everyone's not gonna take it as serious as we do, but like I, I want I want the brand that we're building to to stand for something and, and outside of you know the racing, uh we want we want to to look professional and like and when we show up, we want people to like take a second look at us and be like, Oh my god, like what do you guys do? Like I remember being on rock racing and walking into restaurants and because we had the same jumpsuits on people would think we're like a boy band or something. Like, <laughs> like, what, like, what do you guys do? Like, who are you guys? And like that presence to me is really important. I think it is the first step in changing people's perception of like what we actually do, right? And does that, do you get a reaction? Like, do you get people that have nothing to do with riding bikes? You know, are they sort of coming up to you like, who yeah, are you? I mean. Yeah, man. Like it's, it's, it's about for different things too. Like the people love the kit, the new kit that we just launched. Yeah, dude, Like people sick, love it. They're like, yeah, they're coming up to me and they're like, oh man, like that kit is really cool. Or like I have a, I have a pink, like a hot pink tarmac. You know, and like, so it really stands out. So Damn, people are I want like, the that's the coolest time, bike I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I've waited, I've waited for a pink bike since I was like 16. And Daniel Holloway had this like, this like powdered pink rock lobster. Um, <laughs> and I, and I was like, oh man, like Holloway's the man in NorCal. Like he's one of the best like guys I yeah. race with and he has a pink bike and if you're getting smashed by the guy on a pink bike. Like, what are you going to do? You can't say anything to him. So I was like, well, one day I'm going to be good enough to ride a pink bike. And like, I have it now, but people like go crazy over it when I like ride it outside. Like, again, it's like a coffee shop thing, you know, I'm like, I'm not racing it, but people go crazy. They're like, dude, pink, yeah. That's that's the coolest bike I've ever seen. Or I, I had this this mom come up to me and go and goes, my son loves pink, and I want him to understand that like it's okay for boys to like pink. Yeah, and I was like, your your kid's awesome too. And dude, that's something that's really interesting. Like like everything you've just said then about 
you know, that desire to like create a brand to like to look good and to like have have a, a big presence, right? I feel like that's something that sport ex- essentially exists for the fans, right? Um, and I think exactly. cycling's like a very good example of that gone completely wrong where somehow that's reversed and the bike riders think that the fans exist for them and the way the team behaves around them and all that sort of stuff. And is that like something that you guys are with, with Legion, with Legion LA are doing is like, you seem to be making it about the fans. You're like, let's look cool. Like, let's make this fun. Let's make people want to be us and let's go to them as much as it is just about simply like being good at. Yeah, no, I think that, I think that to me, my my personal opinion is like, that's what American bike racing is. Yeah. I think that everything you explained is is kind of the tradition and the culture in Europe. Um, and that's what it's been. Uh, and it, people in Europe appreciate that because you can walk outside your door and watch a race go by, right? Mm. It's like, it's in their mind. That's how it is. And in America, like it's a little bit, people want more because it's not a sport that's traditionally a massive sport. So you have to, pull people in and you can't depend on people having this love for the sport or growing up on the bike or riding to work. And like, so they have an understanding, like that's not the way our culture works. So you have to get their attention and everything about how we, what we do in, in, and how we operate is based on getting people's attention and going like, Hey man, like give this a chance. It's, it's cool. It's crazy. If you, if you look at it, you watch, you know, you don't have to watch a road race. You can watch a crit, which is our, our thing. Uh, it's 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 short enough to hold people's attention mm. um when you go to a race and there's like a beer garden or there's a vip section like people go crazy man and they love it because it's like people crashing they can't understand how we're going so fast or riding like next to each other like i ride on people yeah. <laughs> depending on when yeah i know you what do part of the race we're <laughs> depending on what part of the race we're in but um and that's something that they're not expecting but justin i i met you and your brother at the hincapi grand fondo here in greenville started following you on Instagram and it's you are bling. I mean, every single photo, I don't know who is your photographer, but like your kits, your helmets, your, your bikes, everything. I, I love it. That amazing bling is great. That just goes out the window for me if you don't back it up. And what I see with you guys <laughs> is I see your work ethic. I follow you guys on Strava. I see you guys on Instagram and that's that's the difference to me is any Joe Blow could put on a really great looking kit, but you guys are talking the talk and walking the walk. And that's that's the whole package. And that's what as a fan of you and your brother and your team, that's what makes it so interesting to me is not only are these guys making the effort to look good, but they're putting in the work to actually race good. So that's that that comes from that comes from football right like in football you want to have your pads right you want to have your visor if you're going to rock a visor like your face mask matters the way you present yourself matters but you got to go out and win games right and we've just taken that mentality from you know growing up and playing other sports and and having the understanding to me to me being an athlete is it's three things right it's being accessible and and being a great example for the people that are following you it's showing up and looking the part and it's performing when it's time to perform. If you don't have it, sometimes in cycling, I feel like, I feel like that gets lost. Mm. You have guys that come into the sport that don't have the experience, but they want to lead. And then they don't care. You know, you have guys that don't care what they look like. You got guys that don't want to be around people. You have yeah. all these things. Ha- and then, you, ha- you know, you have all these things happening 
when at the end of the day, to make something successful, to be a successful athlete, to me, it's, it's having that presence, understanding uh, that you need to perform and you have to get it done and being a great example for the people that are following you. So it's, it's a combination of things. And, and I feel like sometimes the sport gets pigeonholed in it being like all about results or all about being cool or all about being like a, a club or whatever. And if you can't tie it all together, at some point you're going to die off, right? Yeah. And at some point you're going to become irrelevant. And so on that note, like, tell me what's the end goal of, of Legion? Like, or, you know, like, why did you start this team? And then where do you want to see it go, right? You, you sort of said, you know, if you know. I uh, mean, the, the team started basically a couple of things happened. I had been thinking about it for a long time and I had put together the, the concept team program mm-hmm. to kind of like get rid of some of the energy and creativeness that I had that I couldn't use when I was signed to a pro team, mm-hmm. right? So being signed to a pro team kind of put me in a position where I would get in trouble for like wearing different socks or get in trouble for like wanting my shoes to match my kit <laughs> or my helmet to match my kit. Like I would go out of my way that if like on, for example, when I was on Estella's, we had this like um, gunmetal and maroon uh, kit, right? And the helmets were like lime green, <laughs> and I was like, Rudy Project, we were sponsored by Rudy Project at the time. They made a red helmet. So I was like so confused on why we were rocking these helmets yeah. when they made red helmets. So I went out and I got a red helmet because I was like, I'll just, I'll, I will rather buy a helmet that matches than ride around feeling like an idiot. <laughs> because in, in my world and where I come from, if you show up and you don't care about what you look like, then you, to me, that means you don't care about what you're going to perform like. Uh, and that's, that's how I grew up. That's something that's really personal to me. So like you show up, you're ready to go. You're looking the part, you're looking like a winner. Yep. You're going to, you're going to give your best performance. And, and while it's not all about winning, having that presence and, ha- and showing up looking the part is, is very, very important to me. Well, one guy that you totally remind me of, and you were very, very young at this time, but I was actually racing with him that exemplifies everything that you say was Mario Cipollini. I mean, this guy would come to races. He, one of the coolest things I ever saw him do was he changed his kit throughout the race. Like, he, he put, uh, we were racing the Tour de France, I think it was 1980, 1997 or 1998, and he showed up on the 4th of July, and he, had, he was sponsored by Cannondale, Saeco Sa- Sa- Cannondale, and all of a sudden he had these red, white, and blue shorts on. And I was like, wait a second, this Italian guy, like wearing, like all the American guys were like, hey, what's up with that? Then I just kind of had to look at it and say, man, that, that's bold. And then another year later, I think it was a year or two later, he would show up, he showed up at the, the team presentation with like a Julius Caesar kit. He and his whole, he and his whole that. team, I remember and, this. and and it just went on and on, this. and like he he won the the points jersey in the Giro, and instead of going up there with the normal cycling cap and cycling, sh- you know, jersey and shorts, he goes up in like this beautiful Italian custom suit with like the full gear. I mean, that was eye popping, and we've lost those sort of people in in our sport because yeah, it is kind mm. of like back to the humdrum, not much character and. That's why I love the influence of, of watching you do what you do and 
I hope it. I hope it does. You know, resonate with with your fans and and around USA Cycling. Yeah, no, for sure. I got the end of Tripolini, but for sure, like a legend, right? Like someone who I looked at, looked up to when I was growing up. Not only as a sprinter, but again as some looking at the sport and seeing one of the only people that like fashion was important to. You know, him being Italian and like that look being important to him. Like I remember, like the muscle skin suit that oh, he yeah. wore. And I, 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 in my head, I was like, oh, my God, how do I get this skin suit? Or why why can't I wear a full body suit? Because remember, it was like all the way down to the to his, his uh, shoe covers. I was like, oh, I want to I want to do that in the crit. And then I like started looking up the rules. And apparently you can't wear like a full <laughs> skin suit in a, in a crit. But like as a kid looking that stuff up, you could like that's how into it I was. So, yeah, Mario, Mario broke quite a, a few. Mario broke quite a few of those uh, UCI <laughs> rules as far as sock height and everything like that went. The only thing that I I hope you promise that you don't do is basically put in a, a whole thing of hair gel and a whole thing of cologne on every single day because you could be in the caravan and he could be up in the front row of the Peloton and you could smell him all the way. That's that's amazing. I'm not even going to lie. That's amazing, dude. <laughs> Funny story about Mario Cipollini. When I was on rock racing, I think it was the third year, um, he joined the team that's for right. California, right? We were at team camp on like the third day, and this dude jumps out of an Escalade in the middle of the ride, and like, this is your new teammate, Mario. They pulled us all over. They like stopped the ride, and it was like, this is your new teammate, Mario. And I was like... What is happening, dude? I'm like <laughs> suffering in the back. <laughs> so I'm like catching up. And this dude's like the the mechanics like pulling his bike out of the, the back of an escalate. And then he starts to ride with like no helmet, like classic triple E dude. No helmet, like jumps out of the car, starts riding with us, rides for like two hours and then jumps back in the escalate and bounces, dude. <laughs> Dude, I've forgotten about that. Yeah, dude, that was, was real. That was weird and funny. You said something before about how um, your representation of what American, like what American racing is, or like that's what you're interested in, and as opposed yeah. to like what the European racing is. So is that like where you like your like? Do you have any aspirations to take your team to Europe? Do you have any aspirations to kind of like? go there and be yourselves or are you like no let's build up the scene here let's let's make something happen here because you know as we everyone's sort of pretty well aware that that's the the cycling cycling scene in america is pretty dire right now yeah i think uh after yes um the, my answer to the question is like our our goal is to build American racing. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like Criterium racing and road racing are two completely different things, 100%. and I don't understand why they fall under the same umbrella. I don't understand why they haven't separated. Like cross is different from gravel. Uh, gravel is different from mountain biking. Yet road racing and Criterium racing, which are two different skill sets, are, are placed under the same umbrella, and that's kind of suffocated criteriums because now people look at them and they go like, well, okay, well, this race is an hour and a half versus a race that's four hours. You know, why wouldn't you do the four? Isn't the four-hour one more hard or harder? And uh, sometimes that's the case, but sometimes it's not. Like, criteriums take a specific skill set. It's not just about putting the power out um, at the right time. The way you use your team is different. The way you understand the course is different. So our, our primary 
objective is to, to, to elevate American racing and kind of build something that it can create this platform where people that grow up in the U.S., if they want to go race in Europe, that's great. There's, there's a lot of avenues to go do that. I personally think that you need to go to Europe if you want to race there. But if you don't, if it doesn't work out in Europe or if you need more time developing, there should be something here that allows you to kind of grow be around people that have experience. There's like a ton of guys. Like imagine if all the guys and all the juniors that went to Europe and came back and then just stopped racing, came into this like American league of criterium racing or circuit racing. I don't know what it could be, but it could be this thing and spent a little bit more time developing and growing and learning. Um, and then maybe going back over and taking another shot. So like our primary objective is to grow what we have at home. And I think looking at what happened with the Tour of California and it going from, you know, a, a UCI race where the Conti teams could could participate to the, a World Tour event where you, like, guys were lucky, teams were lucky if they got in, that really hurt American racing. Um, and, and it's, to me, it's proof that that model of racing is just, it's just really hard to sustain here. But it doesn't mean that we can't do something like what they did at the Sacramento stage where like there's thousands and thousands of people that show up for a tour of California, uh, Sacramento stage, because it's a circuit. It's like a, it's basically a crit. People can see it. They can get into it. They can get to it. And they, and it, the experience is more full. Um, so like, that's really what we basically want to do. We would want to take what you see at the tour of California, right? Uh, at the Sac Sacramento stage or the Pasadena stage or the Long Beach stage and basically have circuits around the country that work like that and have a calendar that looks like that. Um, and I think if we can accomplish something like that with our team and then growing teams, that's that's what we'll see like a level of success that we haven't seen yet. So you and I have spoken about this a lot, like uh, we, when we were teammates on on the uh, specialized uh, Rocket Espresso team, right? And we were talking about how like an event like Red Hook, like why, like that's the future of the sport. Like, and and you're by extension sort of saying the same thing, you know, albeit that crit racing that you're talking about, you have brakes on your bikes. Um, but it's the <laughs> yeah, same gears. principle, right? Yeah, and gear. But so I'm what I'm what I'm what I am asking, and I know that I sort of believe this. But um, why do you think why why can't crit racing overtake traditional racing? Why can't why can't I we grow it, it? I think it will because one hundred percent. It's entertaining. It it's short, uh -huh. like you said. It's what like it's 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 contained. So you you think that you think that like is that no one hundred percent? I I think that once the the format starts to change, I think once you get some money behind it, um, it, it will. I one hundred percent think it will. Like if you look at the state of cycling, like right now, even in Europe, like they're looking for different ways to like spice it up, mm. right? They're looking for change. They're looking to keep numbers up. Um, and, and I think that if we like right now is a golden opportunity for Criterium Racing, at least in America, to kind of elevate itself to a point where you sponsors, when you go out and look for sponsors, you got to have content, you got to have logistics and analytics to back up what you're trying to sell. And I think that with Criterium Racing, if you look, what happened at Red Hook is something that like already happened. Mm. Like if you go to Tulsa, you you have the same environment as what you have at something like uh, Red Hook. And Red Hook was extremely successful. So I think that now that Red Hook is kind of on pause, people are looking for that 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 thing again, right? Because yeah. not everybody wants to be a road racer. Not everybody wants to do 200K stages. Um, so well, now you have them? people looking. 
or watch them. So now you have now you have a ton of people putting out content showing off this new world that has always been there, but people don't know exists. I know mm-hmm. like back in the like 80s, they used to have like massive crits, man. I remember watching the crit the other day. I think it was like Gas Town, and I think like Lance was in it. And I was like, <laughs> what the hell? Uh, we, it was, like 50, I mean? so it was like, like 50 grand prize money for the win. That's what I'm saying, right? Uh, and now it's crazy. <laughs> hey, you know, Criterium Racing has been around a while, and it did seem to have a, a really much more of a combination. But you're absolutely right. The the biggest races to win were like the Athens Twilight, the Grass, Gastown Grand Prix, Nevada City Classic. They were all these events. And that we had Rich Hincapie on last week, and he really said there's a difference between a race and an event. And in order, in order for this to be successful, the sport of cycling in America, as we have the cards that we've been dealt at this moment, I absolutely feel you're right. Criterium Racing is an event. You can take your, your girlfriends can come, your little brothers can come, your friends can come, and they whiz, you guys whiz by every couple minutes, and it's, it, and it's entertaining. And that's, that's what we need to do. And, you know, you know, the... You know, we have to play the cards that were dealt, and it's getting much, much, much more difficult to promote road races over here. So, you know, keep doing what you're doing. But I'm really interested because you really have some super interesting insights into the sport. You're 20 years younger than me. You got your feet on the ground. <laughs> what, as far as do these, will these races help not only promote? you know, male criterium racing, but also junior development and also women's racing and the progression of women's racing in in the United States. Do you have any plans to maybe have a junior legion or a female legion moving forward? Yes. So my, my, my goal from when I was a kid was to have a junior team. Like literally like that's my biggest goal, right? My, My hope is to have a few different kinds of teams in different places. So the, the overall goal is to basically place teams in places or in states that align with sponsorship, right? Like on the East Coast, you have like a, a, a company like Cannondale, you have Trek in the Midwest. Like if you can build teams that like sit in those areas and can directly be uh, can have direct uh, interaction and contact with their sponsors on like, you know, lunch rides and grand fondos, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think you can build like really strong relationships. So for me, Legion of Los Angeles is the first step in building out a, a, a series of teams, right? Across the, across the country. Um, and junior teams, like, I don't know as far, like we're trying to be the step between juniors and pro racing, right? We're trying to be that, 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 no man's land that people will always talk about where like once you're out of the juniors if you don't catch one of the few under 23 teams like there's really nothing for you like we're trying to be in that area and we'll work we want to work with teams like hot tubes and lux um to go like okay you have these juniors that are really good but they're not maybe ready for europe yet you know bring them to one of our teams um and we'll try to do our best to put people like Gus like me like you know there's a kid in uh Pennsylvania Shane Klein who's been racing for a long time like we'll put people like that around these kids to like give them at least uh the information to get to like level eight um and then they can go to Europe and and make up the rest of that right but there isn't there is no 
guidance right now from like out of the junior, unless you're lucky enough to live by a Bobby or if you're lucky enough to live in LA by me, there's so many kids that are lacking that basic information. So we want to create like, my goal would be to maybe have 10 different teams, right? And of those 10 teams, like each roster has 10 guys on them. So we're already creating that many uh, job opportunities for, you know, guys that are racing in the U.S. and and kids that are coming out of the under the, the junior race uh, rankings uh, to have some place to go and learn and develop at least for a couple of years. Well, I will be the first to say that your formula definitely will work over here, but we need it over in the world tour in Europe. No, in 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 the future, you know. But everything that you just said, I hope that some world tour teams are listening. And maybe taking notice of that because we we need to make this sport more attractive to the normal people. Like you said, when you guys roll into that coffee shop with your stars and stripes jersey and your pink bike and your blinged out helmet and matching sunglasses, that's it. You know, we want we want that show and we want people to ask what we do. But like when you see so many professionals over in Europe, you know, it's kind of like, oh, he's just another bike rider. But like you know, bring bring that that swag and that confidence and that fun back into the sport over in Europe just as much as over here. Yeah, and I don't know what it is. I know that it's like I, I understand how hard it is to be a, a racer in Europe. Criteriums are a little bit different, right? Like you can lack a little bit of fitness and still come out on top if you if you understand some things about the course. If you if you're you get lucky, like there's a lot of factors that happen in criteriums where in road racing, like if you can't do this many watts per kilo, you're just not gonna you're just not gonna be there. And that's like I think that's brilliant about criterium racing is that you can take these guys who maybe don't have to put in and as many hours of training. Maybe you have to put more gym in to be a little bit physically stronger for when I'm pushing you around, (laughs) but like, you don't have to be, you don't have to spend as much time on the bike. And that allows you, that gives you the freedom to be more social. That gives you the freedom to have like more of a free mind. And, and I completely understand that side of the, the European versus American racing thing or road races versus criterium thing. Like that's okay. But that's what I'm saying where us having this, this different kind of uh, avenue to, to be a bike racer and to be a successful bike racer uh, is really important. Like we're trying to redefine what being a successful bike racer in America looks like. And hopefully that trickles into Europe at some point, but like right now we can only focus on what we're doing. Right. And for me, it's just not allowing anything to kind of sway me or, or push me in a direction that, that I don't, I don't believe in. Like I have enough experiences. I've, I've dealt with enough failure. Like I understand I'm always dealing with failure and learning and learning and learning. Um, And that's something that I think makes me very unique to what I'm trying to accomplish is that like, I welcome failure because that's the only way I can elevate and push to the next level. And it's hard. It sucks sometimes. But at the end of the day, like I know where I'm trying to go and I know what I'm trying to accomplish. And like, if I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail on a massive level, but I'm going to do it the way that I believe it needs to be done. Because, you know, there's been people, a ton of people before me that have tried to do something, but for whatever reason, I don't know if it's stubbornness or if it's like the system at hand, I don't know what it is, but they just have fell short. Um, And I want to, I just want to push it to that next level and I'm not really willing to compromise on that dream. That's it, right? Rather to have tried and failed than to have never tried at all. 100%. So before we let you go, um, this has been fantastic. What have you got coming up? Like what are your plans 
to kind of ride this period out, how are you going to engage with with your fans when you're kind of not really meant to leave the house? Yeah, we've been really fortunate. Uh, we've built a lot of our sponsorship and a lot of um, our, our relationships based on like our social media presence and social media. Like Bobby was talking about, like winning is important and winning is something that we've done. We started the season, we've done 12 races. We won 10 out of the 12, right? Like it's, it's important. And the other, and one was a time trial and one was a road race that we lost. <laughs> so we're like a hundred percent in criteriums right now. Winning is important to us, but for what we do and how we operate with our sponsors, like we're going to be doing like a ton of Zwift stuff. We're going to be doing like a lot of stuff on Instagram live. Me and Corey have talked about doing like not a podcast, but like a little show, like a weekly show about, you know, us and just how we are. We're, you know, we, we're always joking around. We're always giving each other shit. We're always, you know, trying to make each other better and pushing, you know, Corey's like always like, dude, the season's going to start. Like I just started getting into, I started, I just started getting like decent fitness, right? Like at Marietta, we did it a couple of weeks ago. It was the first time that I've like come up on Corey's back wheel. And he was like, oh shit, like <laughs> he's, he's coming. Um, so he's like, he's always on my case about pushing for more and being better. You know what I mean? And Corey does all our social media stuff also. So like, we're just like collaborating and thinking of ways to engage people. Right. Cause at the end of the day, people want to see your face. They want to, they want to talk to you. They want to know what you're doing in in this time. Right. Like I've been doing this push up challenge for the last like three days or something. And I plan on like continuing that. Right. That's like one little thing that I plan on continuing through this. So like we talked to our sponsors, they're, they're really cool and understanding they're basically in the same boat. We still have value to them because we can still jump on Instagram or we can still jump on YouTube. Corey has like this amazing uh, YouTube following. We can still jump on that and, and touch some of the things that we didn't have time to touch in the past. Like, you know how many races we have that we can just do reviews on? We can do like 10 minute race reviews. And like, that's something that people are going to be like, they're always asking us, why were you guys doing this? Like what, what was happening here? That's like some of the stuff that we're planning out on doing uh, in the future. Like, ten, like you said, tonight I have a, a Zwift ride with Rafa tomorrow. I have another a Zwift ride with uh, the Bahati foundation. Um, so there's, there's a ton of ways to kind of, keep things engaged and I think right now is a very important time for you to show your sponsors that you have value outside and off the bike right this is like a really good time for you to go like look at all these guys look at all these people you sponsor that that don't really have anything to do right now and I'm going to take this time and I'm going to use it uh, in a way that's that's really constructive uh, and, and I'm still going to put content out that allows for really good engagement that you can see value in. And dude, I think you keep saying, you, you know, you demonstrating your value to your sponsors and all that sort of stuff. But I think above and beyond all of that, like right now in particular, but but certainly over the last few years is like, man, there's a lot of value. You provide a lot of value to the public. There's like what you do is, is I think, um, important beyond, you know, beyond uh, just like race winning and all of that. And so I think, yeah. You got to get people excited, man. You got to exactly. like have, people got to want to follow your story. They have to be engaged with you and you have to be, you have to return that energy. Mm. And, and we try to return that energy when people, I like spend like an hour every once in a while just going through my like, you know how you, in, on Instagram you have like three inboxes now for some reason. You have like a primary, a general, and then you have a no, dude. That's like some bullish shit. I don't have that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't I even know what one <laughs> fucking inbox. I don't even know what you're talking about. Okay. Empty. <laughs> okay, guys. So Instagram. I think I don't know how many followers you get past. You it puts you in a position where you have a primary um, 
inbox. Oh, you guys that, in the that, that's, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> no wonder you went right back to me, dude. <laughs> uh, you, have, you have a general inbox and then you have an inbox for people that don't follow you or don't, I don't know what the third one is, but it's just like a one that like you, you, you can't even see. You have to like go out of your way to get to it. Yeah, so like, <laughs> so every once in a while I'll go into the like unknown, right? And I'll just like go through people's <laughs> messages and I'll try to answer it, man, because like that's important. Like if you, if you touch one person, you know what I mean? And, mm. and they go tell their five friends that you're a good person. And like you, you responded to them that like helps you grow as a, as a, as a brand and a, as a person, it's important to the sport, man. Like people have to feel like we have athletes that are successful, but accessible. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I think we struggle with. So we pay like a lot of attention to that. Like we pay a lot of attention to being in the comments and being like positive, but like being in the comments and going like, I see you. Um, and that, you know, that little, I see you or like a double tap to like their message and let them know that you, you actually give a shit. Mm. Uh, that goes a really long way. But with all of us spending a lot of time inside right now, and you mentioned that you, uh, you guys ride Zwift, and in your Insta story, I saw your your Zwift setup, which I I must admit needs a little bit of blinging. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I we just started. <laughs> so when you guys have it all set up, because I saw that you had three uh, set up side by side, you and your brothers ride together. How do you mm-hmm. actually use the system? Are you actually just going and riding around and doing these rides for the the sponsors that you mentioned? Or are you actually doing some sort of training during this time or maybe races with your brothers? How how are you using the system right now? I'm curious. Uh, so I um I try to just ride around. Like there's a there's a there's like a way to be good at Zwift, right? And like um I'm okay. Like my, my, my biggest talent is not VO2. Right. So you, ha- there's a way to be good at Zwift and Corey and CJ are like pretty decent at it, but dude, I like struggle. So I try to stay away from races. I'm just like riding. So for the most part, um, we ride, but, uh, we, we do, a, we do a few races. Um, I think we had a, a we're going to do a couple races this week. Um, but I think, I'm looking into how to make it fun, like a spin class or something like that's, I think the next step is kind of, I want to be the first person to create like a spin class on Zwift where you do like these like really cool high intensity intervals. And like, you have this like different workouts and like I'll create like a playlist and like go live. Um, But I think that Hmm. there's a million different ways that you can use Zwift. Um, For right now, we're just building that our, our like bike room out. Our quarantine bike room is just being built out. We'll add like some jerseys to it. Uh, we'll add some fun tool, we'll put some speakers in there, and then and then we'll have like a studio. Yeah, sick. Nice. <laughs> Mate, thank you so much. Very, very good to uh, have a little bit more of a lighthearted conversation and hear some, uh, yeah, hear from you. It's been good to, uh, it's been good to chat, man. It's been a while. Yeah, I know, man, dude. I'm telling you, I was like, oh no, Gus is not in LA anymore. What am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Did I got to get back out there? It was I know it was fun having you, man. It was like, um, it was really interesting uh, having that whole Red Hook team set up, man. That was really, really fun where it was like this like all-star. We were like yeah, the Avengers. Sick. We just came it's together sick. every like <laughs> every once in a while. Yeah. It's really cool. You have cool. to come guest ride for you all. Dude, you should. That'd be sick. You Bring you, bring Lachlan, and, and bring Taylor, and we'll have like a little, Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. The boys are in up. town. So, well, actually, Taylor's dude. not, but, but yeah. When 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 all this yeah. when everything clears up, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. That'd be dope. 
Well, thank and then you. I'll see you, Bobby, at the at the Fondo. Yeah, but remember, <laughs> we have hills out here, so that's why I was looking at your Zwift setup, and you don't even have the kicker climb. How do you expect not to get better at climbing if you don't have the kicker climb that raises you to... That's a that's a real thing. It, it is a, <laughs> a, real, it is a thing. real thing. I know Gus doesn't agree with me, but I'm telling you, we get you a kicker climb. You'll be going up. <laughs> you'll be going up. Uh, what is that? Uh, that climb? That steep climb that I was with your brother on. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Crazy. Yeah. The first climb. The first big climb of the Hincapie Camp Grand Fondo. I only ride it like once a year because it's so hard. But uh, you'll be just flying up that and. We won't have to wait. We that's, won't a, have to- that's the thing for me, though, Bobby. Like being on Zwift feels like climbing all the time. I was gonna say so, like, exactly. Don't, you don't, don't, don't listen. Don't, don't listen it to it. Feels like climbing all we the time. We gotta get you man. calibrated. Like, why is this so hard? We gotta get you calibrated, man. It sounds like it's it, the worst. It, dude. Sounds like your brother went in there and set your weight like really, really high. Uh, or your, you probably know, just those April would. Fool's joke or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> he absolutely would. Thanks again, awesome, Justin. Mate. Thank you so much. Nah, dude, I appreciate you guys' time. Like, let me know if you guys have anything else, man. I can't wait to see you guys. And, yeah. you know, guys, be safe right now, man. Like I said, I think that with everything going on, it's just going to get more crazy. So I'm, I'm glad to have, like you said, a, light, a nice, lighthearted conversation about what's cool about bikes because I feel like there are so many things that are, and I feel like we're in a time right now where, you know, it's going to be, it's a great opportunity to yeah. really highlight the things that we love about cycling and why it's so cool, you know, outside, even outside of racing, man, like coffee, I tell people all the time, like coffee shop rides are my like favorite, you yeah, know, like, 100%. that's when, after the race is won, <laughs> after the race is won, you're in some random town, go out for a coffee shop ride. That's the best feeling in the world. So I, I want to share also those moments with people. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll see you guys yeah. later. See you, pal. Thanks, man. Right. Legend. And that does it for another week here at Fizzo. Next week, we'll be back with another great show celebrating the sport of cycling. So make sure you tune in. Thank you for listening. You can get all of our previous episodes uh, online at Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts. Uh, and of course, at velonews.com. Just search for Velonews Voices or Fizzo Pod, P-Y-S-O Pod. You can also get at us on social media at Fizzo Pod on Twitter. That's P-Y-S-O-P-O-D. Uh, you can reach out to myself at that is Gus on Instagram or Bobby at bobby.julik also on instagram uh make sure you subscribe to the show um give us some feedback anything you want we really appreciate really appreciate everybody tuning in and listening along yeah and here at fizzo we're in the process of setting up a weekly group ride on zwift with the possibility of streaming our podcast during the ride this is not confirmed but we're working on it so stay tuned thank you to our listeners and to you bobby uh until next week stay quarantined stay safe And don't forget to put your socks on.